and welcome back to the Tough Take Podcast. I'm Zach Green. And I'm Luca DeLosta. In today's episode, it's an action-packed one. We'll be starting with talking about the NBA playoffs. Then we'll move into see some NFL players slash draft news. And then go into NHL playoffs and some small stories we found. Let's get right into it. All right, let's start it off with the number one seed in the East versus the number eight seed, which is the Miami Heat versus the Atlanta Hawks. Last night, the Hawks came up with a thrilling victory. Trey Young got it done, what he did in the paint with his floater, of course. But, Luca, what do you, what have you seen from the series? So, we've seen Jimmy Butler have an amazing game. We've seen Tyler Hero struggle. And we saw the Hawks play great at home like they did, especially in the second half of this season. Now, going into Game 4, will the Hawks take it or will they lose and go down 3-1? Now, the Tyler Hero not playing so well surprised me because he finished the season so well and he's projected and probably will get the sixth man of the year. But in Games 1 and 2, he went 8 for 22, 6 turnovers, and 5 fouls, and only 21 points. But now... Last night, he was 10 for 22, and he had 24. So, a little better, but I want to see him get to that 20, 25-point mark each game. And not just get those 25 points. We need to see him shoot the ball better. Shooting 10 for 22, he's shooting a lot of shots. So, he's getting a lot of points, but you look at that shot percentage, and it's not that high. All right, let's move into the 76ers game. The 76ers are up 3 nothing in this series. And, I mean, let's just start out with Joel Embiid's turnaround three-pointer in overtime for the win last game. You say this man's an MVP candidate, and he showed and he showed this entire series dominated all over the court. And I want to bring this up. Luca texted me at the end of regulation. Joel shot the same kind of shot, missed it, and they had time, and then Tobias Harris couldn't put it up. But then he shot a pull-away fadeaway in overtime and buried it, and he had Raptors fans on their knees. Uh, I saw that clip. That was a funny clip. But, I mean, that's what Joel, again, that's what he's been doing all year long. And currently, the 76ers are actually playing the Raptors as of Saturday at 2-something p.m. It is 13-11. The 76ers are leading. So by the time this is up, we will know the winner of that series if they win. But it, it really interested me how Tyrese Maxey, 38 in the first game, but then he kind of went away game two and three. But he has to step up, I think, especially with Matisse Thibault out because he's not vaccinated. It, it, he's a player they need. Okay, let's take it down to Chicago for the Bulls and Bucks series. After a game one led by Brooke Lopez and the Bucks that they played pretty well in. Game two, the Bulls came back firing. DeRozan dropped 41, and then they went back to the same slump they were in the first game. DeRozan led them, or not led them, but he had 11, and they got blown out. But I want to talk about the difference between the Game 2 and the Game 3 that the Bucks played. In Game 2, the Bucks lost that game in the first five minutes of that game. And it's because they had lazy turnovers early in the game. They go down 6 nothing, and they were struggling offensively. And you look at the end of the game, they lost by, what, two, three points? One less turnover, and that that could have been a win. But then the other night, they changed that up, and they were the team that was better defensively, and they won that game in a 
stomping effort. All right, let's take it down to Boston and Brooklyn. Another game that is on tonight. KD in that game three, 0 for 10 in the, in the second, second half. half. I think you can, you and I can both agree this series, no matter if it's 2 nothing right now or whatever it would be, this series has been an amazing series. A buzzer beater for the win and a game within 10 points. Who doesn't want to see this? I think it also has a lot of impact going back to Brooklyn because the Nets have been very good at home in big games like they did. They beat the Cavs. I think the home crowd situations really help, especially with Ben Simmons returning on Monday, barring any setbacks. But the thing that the Nets need to do is I think they need to focus more and get it not just because KD, every shot he takes is contested. They need to get it more to Kyrie because in game one, Kyrie was brilliant in the fourth quarter. I think they need to focus on that more, get Seth Curry involved in the three, and really spread it out more. The thing that the Boston Celtics have been doing is they've been double contesting every shot KD's taken, but they it's not just a contest. Two players jump at KD, and that's something he hasn't seen. And then you have players Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jordan Pritchard. And they just score the ball. And let's just forget, not forget, this is without Robert Williams, their center. So with, when he comes back, I'm dude. If they can get out of this series and get Robert Williams back, this team is a super threatening team. And then let's move into the Western Conference and starting with the Suns and the Pelicans, which has surprisingly turned into a very good series to watch. Last night, I think it was a very good game. The Suns definitely showed that they were the better team in the ending minutes, pulling away. I think that comes from more experience, like Chris Paul. And Chris Paul has 38 assists in three games. He had 10 the first game and then 14 games two and three. But this is the Pelicans. This is when they need to strike. They're at home one more game, as we know. And Devin Booker's out. So you they need to capitalize off that because they're not going to get another opportunity like this. And, I mean, they've dominated down low. Jonas Valanciunas has played very well. Last night, he got outboarded by six by DeAndre Ayton. That was the first game in the play-in and in the playoffs that I think they have been out-rebounded. And then they have Brandon Ingram, who was hitting shots yesterday. They have CJ McCollum, who can hit shots. They just need to capitalize. I mean, as you said, they're at home. Devin Booker's not there. They need to at least win. They need No, they need to win next game. All right, let's send things down to Utah and Dallas with the Mavericks for Jazz. Dallas is currently up 2-1. to one. With no Luka Doncic, very surprising. Jalen Brunson, 41 in Game 2, 31 in Game 3. I mean, what else can you ask from them? He's a player they needed to step up with Doncic out, and he's done just that. And it's shown they're up now 2-1 in this series. But getting Doncic back is huge for them because they don't have much paint presence on that team. And with Rudy Gobert in the paint on the other side, and they need players to hit shots from beyond the arc. Like you just said, I've been talking to a lot of friends about this. Once they traded away Porzingis, I mean, their height, they have some height, but, I mean, it's very, they will not survive in a series versus Jokic, um, Embiid, Giannis, like any team in the playoffs who has a decent big or a big that can score really well, they're going to have some problems. But even, like, the Timberwolves and even the Warriors with Draymond Green, he's not the tallest, but he's a good defender. It, it, it's a hassle to handle. 
as you bring up Draymond Green, let's send it down to this dominant series by the Warriors. We have a lot to say about this one. I mean, let's just start with the obvious. Jordan Poole. I mean, he's emerged. Wow, it's all they have. He's playing out of his mind. 22.7 points per game this series. 6.3 assists. 60.9% from three and 58.1 from the field. He's shooting better from three than he is in the field. He's arguably the most valuable player so far in these three games of playoffs. He's shown tremendous value. He scored the ball. As you said, he's shooting better from beyond the arc than from the field. I mean, Joel Embiid, maybe Giannis, and a few other players bring more value, but Jordan Poole's out of his mind. And I was thinking about this. The way Jordan Poole is playing, it's not giving pressure on Curry to come back. I mean, if you look at they move on and they play the Grizzlies probably, which might happen, they don't need to pressure Curry to come back sooner than he wants to because, I mean, Jordan Poole, I mean, what's, what's Jordan Poole not doing? And I know. that's what I think really helps the Warriors. And it shows you what game, was it three, Curry, Poole, and Clay all had 25-plus? I think that was game two and three. It, it does. It, Curry doesn't have to drop 40 a night for the Warriors to win like he did last year. And then, I mean, I did not expect the Nuggets to come out this flat. I thought they had better scores than this. I mean, with Jokic not really on the floor in game two, he had two technicals with his anger problems. I mean, they were flat. And, and it's really showing – the missing of Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr. They have nobody really to score the ball other than Jokic. Aaron Gordon's not the most consistent scorer, and they just don't have a presence that they here take the ball and shoot it from three. And the probable matchup for the round two of the Warriors will probably be the Grizzlies, which the Grizzlies and Timberwolves are the Grizzlies are up two one. And game three was fun to watch. Memphis was down twenty. They came back went down back again, and then they came back and won, led by Desmond Bain, Jarrett Jackson, and John Morant. See, this series is turning out a lot better than I expected. The Timberwolves have put up a great fight, and Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, that duo has emerged in the play-in and in the playoffs so far. But this Grizzlies team is very, very good. The three players you named, I would not be surprised to see this go seven. It could, and that would be a fun game to watch. All right, let's move it into some NFL news coming up for the draft. Let's talk about Denzel Ward is now the highest-paid cornerback ever. Talk about some spending for the Browns this season. I know, Deshaun Watson, now Denzel Ward. I mean, it's crazy, and, and we both agreed that we think this is an overpay. Let's get into the contract. Five-year, $100 million deal with a $20 million signing bonus, $71 million guaranteed. This now makes him the highest have ever. But this makes you scratching your head. When Ramsey's contract is up and he's still at an elite level, I mean, he might want $115 million. That's, that's going to be interesting, and that's what has happened to a lot of these positions is one player gets paid a lot and you look and you're like that's not the best player out here so then you question what will the stars out here be really asking for and then this led me to the graphic from CVS Sports so this is a comparison between Denzel Ward and Jalen Ramsey 
who has the higher contract? Ward. More guaranteed? Ward. Seasons played? Ramsey. Pro Bowl selections? Ramsey has that 5-2. to two. And first team All-Pro, Ramsey has that 3 nothing. So I think you can't discounter what Denzel Ward has done because he shut down Devontae Adams. He shut down Jamar Chase very well. I don't want to say that, but he did. And he is a very good cornerback. I like their corners. They have him, Grant Delpit, I think, is a safety. They have the Jeremiah Okusakoromora, who is really good. But this could be a little bit of overpay. But I think part of the reason they're giving him all this money is, is he's a little bit younger, and he showed, as you just explained, a lot of potential. But it, now, it just how would they handle the rest of the money they have with all the positions they have to work with? Obviously, they might give up Baker's contract soon, but... And speaking of money and greed, let's get into some big-time wide receivers not getting their contract extensions that they want. So, recently, Debo Samuel has requested a trade from the 49ers, and reportedly, it's not the 49ers that aren't offering or trying to negotiate. It's Debo who's not being cooperative. And Debo also said he didn't like, he doesn't want to be in that hybrid position that we saw him play this year, running back wide receiver. He wants to be a true wide receiver. And so we'll see what team takes up wanting to pay him and utilize him. We also have a lot of trade talks around Terry McLaurin, who I don't think he's gotten the best opportunity in the league so far. I mean, eight quarterbacks in three years. I mean, three or four isn't that bad, but you have to give this guy a quarterback for a season or two to see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to build chemistry. I mean, you look at one of the best quarterback wide receiver duos in the league was Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, and part of the reason they were so good is because they played college together. They knew each other, and that chemistry helped so much. And that'll be cool to watch with Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. I want to see how that comes back. And then with A.J. Brown, he has removed Tennessee from his Twitter bio. He also tweeted this out. I'm a diva and a bad teammate all of a sudden. LOL, okay. Do what you have to do, and so will I. It's kind of a confusing situation for A.J. Brown. I mean, he's a very, very good wide receiver in a in a team that is not very wide receiver heavy, and they don't utilize the wide receivers like that. They're a run-heavy team with Derrick Henry. And so, I mean, you go on and talk about some of their other players in that roster. If A.J. Brown's gone, that team's in trouble. I mean, the question is how much do the Titans want him because they just added Robert Woods, who was playing great before he got injured. But then if A.J. Brown left, their number two wide receiver would be, this is before the draft, Nick Westbrook-Akeem, who in his 30 NFL games over the past two seasons just has 509 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, he could develop, but they would need someone in the draft, which they'll probably get if A.J. Brown, they might make a draft day trade, what a lot of people are saying. Yeah, I've I've seen a couple rumors that they that which is kind of opposite of what they want to do need to do is that I see the Packers trading I think thirty for their like twenty third pick or so and so we'll see what happens there. But on the other hand of this is Cooper Cup recently came out when talking about the situation and all these wide receivers wanting to get paid. And he says he doesn't want to compare himself to other players. He just wants to play and. I love that from Cooper Cup. I mean, he's a great wide receiver who's not being greedy about his money. He won't get the Triple Crown this year, though. It'll go to Jamar Chase. All right, let's talk about Derek Stingley 
cornerback from LSU falling out of the top 10. And I think this stems from a lot of secondary players who are projected to go first round. We have Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson, the inedible Ahmad Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. We also have Kyle Hamilton, who's a nice safety out of Notre Dame. And uh, Trent McDuffie out of Washington. There, this is a good secondary class. But the reason he might fall out of the top ten is I'll read off the draft order. Jags, Lions, Texans, Jets, Giants, Panthers, Giants again, Falcons, Broncos, and the Jets again. But I see the Panthers taking a quarterback. I see the Jets might take Sauce Gardner, and I think they might get a receiver. I think the Falcons will get a receiver. But I think the top three picks are going to be probably Aiden Hutchinson and O-Lineman, whatever way you want to put it. I mean, there are a few teams in this, also just outside of the top ten, who need cornerbacks. Uh, the Seahawks, I think, are the pick that is from Denver at nine. They could take a cornerback. The Vikings could take a cornerback. Patrick Peterson getting up there in age. So there, there's there's a good amount of teams that could take a cornerback in these top 15 picks, but it's interesting with such a heavy secondary draft class where he'll fall. All right, let's talk about some final draft thoughts that we have. Luke, I'll let you start. I just want to talk about this wide receiver class. There's so much talent in this wide receiver class, and I just want to see what team do you see taking a wide receiver first? I think the Falcons or the Giants, because the Falcons, as they just lost Calvin Ridley, their number one receiver, not Kyle Pitts, is Olamai Dekuyas. I'm not saying that right, but number 17. But you have to look at it as, I mean, the Giants and Jets both have two first-round picks. I think one of them, I think think the Jets will probably take Sauce Gardner. I'm not sure, but it'll be interesting. It's a very good draft. Yeah, and... Part of the reason you and I can agree this is a very good draft is there's no, like, that's a franchise QB right there. That guy's going one, he's going three, he's going five. There are so many positions that could go at in the top ten. There's so many players that could go in this first round. It's just you just have to wait to see what team takes who. I mean, like you just said, I mean, usually the mock drafts, it'll be fun to start quarterbacks. Like last year, Trevor Lawrence, year before Joe Burrow, so on and so forth. But this year it's been fluctuating. It's been, you know, I've seen Trayvon Walker going first, Aiden Hutchinson, Evan Neal, you know, a couple months ago, Kayvon Thibodeau. He probably won't go first now. But it's, I'm going to be very, I'm going to looking forward to this draft. And it's less than a week away. You and I both, and I know you got to stay up late for your Bengals picking at 31. I've seen some trade rumors about them trading Jesse Bates and getting a higher pick, but. I don't want to stay up to pick 31. It's going to be a late night. That's a late night. All right, let's talk about some NHL teams trying to get a playoff spot coming down to the final couple games, final couple weeks here. And the East Coast is all locked up. They're just fighting for seeding in the playoffs. But in the West Coast, there are two teams remaining trying to fight for that play. Well, four teams, but two outside of playoff position. That is the Las Vegas Golden Knights and the Vancouver Canucks, both Four games left. Some solid competition they have to go against, though. And let's just go back to the Eastern Conference. It's very close. I think the Bruins are tied with the Caps right now in points. So are the Penguins, but they're up 5-2 at the minute we are recording. But it's going to be very – it's a very 
every team is very good. And like we've seen from the Caps, like the Caps fans, they can win seven to two one game and then come back and get stomped and get lose eight to one. But what we always like to see is if they lose big. I mean, they're still scoring. They'll score about four, three, four goals every game usually. And th- to add on to this is it's not just the Caps. There's so many electric teams. You got the Oilers with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. You got the Panthers with just how good they've been this year. Avalanche, the Wild even. There's just so many good teams this year. It You can't really predict what the outcome will be of this year's NHL playoffs. Alright, let's get into some small stories. Luke, I'll let you kick it off. And I just want to kick it off with College basketball, men's college basketball. We've seen in under two years, three legendary coaches leave the game of basketball. Roy Williams, UNC, Coach Krzyzewski of Duke, and now Jay Wright of Villanova. Three Hall of Fame coaches who, it's going to be very interesting to see Duke and Villanova and how they adapt without those two heading their team. All right, let's move into a small story that we found. It's actually pretty funny, but very sweet of what he did. Giannis, in 2014, when he was a rookie, he walked to a game. So I'll lay down the picture. Early in the 2014 season of his rookie year, Giannis took a cab to a Western Union bank to send money home to his family in Greece. After sending all of his money, he realized he didn't have enough to get a cab to go to the game that he had later that day. So his first instinct was to start running which he did. He got a mile before a couple stopped and asked, are you the Bucks rookie? And of course, he replied yes. So, they gave him a ride to the game. Imagine being that couple. Just imagine being that. Like, you're just there. You see Giannis Antetokounmpo, a future MVP of the league, and you gave him a ride to an NBA game. But it's very sweet what Giannis did. He sent all of his money back to his family. And as a Bucks 2014 rookie, weren't that good that year he probably didn't have what he has now but he's a great guy a great person right after they won the championship he went to a drive through and he's taking pictures with fans he's i love the guy he is yeah he's a good player off the court on the court that's what you love to see okay let's move into the braves championship ring that came out and let's start it off what does this ring not have it has everything they have symbols to re- represent their team history. They have LED lights with a field. They have rubies to represent the 11 home runs in the World Series they hit in the exact location they hit them. It's amazing, this ring. Potentially the best championship ring I have ever seen. What kind of diamonds are in there? The A for the logo are... is. 150 diamonds to represent the 150 years of the franchise history. On the left side and right side of the ring, they have 44 diamonds, 22 each side. And that number 44 is honoring the legendary Hall of Famer Hank Aaron, who wore 44, but sadly passed away last year. And this raises the question, is this one of the best championship rings ever? I think it is. But I was looking through, and I saw this one. You can see on the screen right now. A 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers ring, as much as we both dislike them. This ring, I mean, look at it, Luca. It has the Steelers logo right here, six huge diamonds around, and just crystals upon crystals. 
I mean, obviously, I don't know everything about this Steelers ring, but one thing that I love about this Braves ring is there's just so much meaning. There's a meaning behind every little thing and every little detail into this ring. And that's what I like what teams do. For example, when the Caps won and they had the ring, the code to the lockbox to open it, the numbers meant something for that season. The goals scored, the games played, and that's what probably most rings have. The number of diamonds represents, you know, the number of goals, which is very cool and it will always tell a value. Alright, let's move on to the game of our week. I have uh, tomorrow, Florida Panthers versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Florida, of course, probably the best team in hockey. And Lightning playing very well a couple of nights ago, coming off an 8-1 to victory over the Maple Leafs. That should be a thriller, the Battle of the Sunshine State. Now, my game of the week is Pelicans vs. Suns Game 5. The game Devin Booker is projected to come back. Can the Pelicans take Game 4, make the series 2-2, and make this Game 5 even more interesting? It should be a great one. It's going to be Tough Take Podcast. That is Zach Green. Luca DeLosta. Thank you for listening.